Deal, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm glad you're with us uh, this morning in the room on the live stream. Um, if you have any prayer requests, there's a Connect card uh, next to you or online. Um, and if you want to write any of those down, the staff pray every Tuesday for our church, for our city, for our world. Um, we'd love to, to join you in prayer. If you're new here or new-ish here and you want to get more connected, that Connect card is a place for you to just uh, let us know. Um, we can, one of the staff can meet up with you, talk more, connect you with a group, anything like that. And you can take those cards to the Connect table um, out in the courtyard after the service. And we'd love to chat with you more. Uh, coming up are just a few things that we want to let you know about. They all have to do with um, being more connected in, in our church and what God's doing um, in the city. So the first thing is baptisms are happening. Uh, we celebrate baptisms um, a couple times a year. It's a rich symbol of God's blessing us and uh, us committing to be part of God's family. It's happening in a couple weeks. And if you are interested in being baptized, there's going to be a, li- a little info meeting after the service next week. Um, so you can just come to that and hear more information about what baptism is, or you can reach out to any of the staff, and we'd be glad to talk to you about baptisms. But in two weeks, um, plan to come after the service to the fellowship hall for the baptism celebration. And then the, and the next thing I have is uh, membership. And this morning, we're going to be introducing to you a couple of our new members. Baptism is the sign of, of commitment to Christianity. And membership is the sign of a commitment to this particular church. Uh, and when you become a member of our church, you're saying, hey, I want to link arms with other people in our church. Link arms to, to contribute financially. The way this whole church works, the way our mission operates is that we share our financial resources. And our members are saying, hey, I'm going to commit to doing that. Uh, we commit to serving together, um, serving our kids and our youth and college students and everybody else and, um, and taking steps of participation in the mission of our church, in our city, and our world. Um, and then as members, you get to uh, make decisions and to vote on things that we do in the church. And if you're a member of the church, you have the, the special attention of our elders and of Steve Luxer, our senior pastor. Um, and membership is a rich thing. Uh, it's, it's a good thing to do to say, hey, yes, I am here. I'm part of this church. And, of course, we have people in our church, uh, some of us here, who aren't members. And you can always be part of our church without being a member. But we want to just recognize uh, the commitment of a few people who are joining our church today. So if you're out there, you want to jump, join me on stage, Willie and I think Margo. Is Margo out there? Yeah. And then we had, yeah, let's welcome them up on stage. Let them know they're among friends. Yeah, come on up, you guys. And then uh, Marv and Peggy Hale, they're joining our church too, but they were sick this morning, so we'll have to introduce them another time. You guys, we're really glad you're here. You've been part of our church for a while. We're we're excited that you're taking this step to become members. Um, And yeah, it's great. We're excited that you're going to to influence us in a deeper way, um, challenge us, shape us, and then we get to do the same, to encourage you more, to, to bless you more, to challenge you. Um, as you follow Jesus together. So we have a little book um, for both of you um, that Dave has. Uh, It's called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. We believe at our church that there is nothing more important than being able to listen to God and talk with him and do what he says. We see that model in Jesus. Uh, We see that model throughout the scriptures and in, in our own lives. So we want to bless you guys as you both continue in your journey with Jesus. Why don't you introduce yourselves and uh, just tell us 
your name and why you started coming to FBC. Hello, everyone. My name is Willie Young III. I'm one thing that I wanted to find a wonderful Baptist church in, in Davis, and I, I found it online, and I came here, and everything seemed to actually add up for me, and it was just wonderful for me. So I just, I just love the experience and everything. So. Awesome. Hey, glad you're here, Willie. Pass the mic. Good morning. My name is Margo. I came to this church um, by the Spirit, I believe. I was disconnected from my church during COVID, and then I wanted a home church in Davis and a place where my granddaughter could come with me to, where they have a good youth program, and I just felt really loved here when I first came and just kept on coming, and I'm really grateful to be here. Thank you all. Margo. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. All right. Willie, Margo, glad you're here. Dave is not a new member. You probably recognize Dave Hodges. He's been around for decades, but he's one of our elders, and he's going to pray for us. Yeah, let's, let's, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for, for this church, uh, for, for Willie, for Margo, for, uh, for Peg and Marv, who have made the commitment to be a bigger part of this church body. We always remember that it's not just this church. It's the whole church, your church in the whole world. It is just wonderful, and it's glorious. And we just thank you that uh, you have uh, put it on their hearts to, to join membership here. And may we, uh, we also always reach out to others that are coming. And we just thank you uh, for the sacrifice you made for us, for the love you have for us. And uh, just thank you again for this glorious day. We say it's your name. Amen. Great. All right, well, you guys, why don't you everybody stand up and let's just uh, take a minute to greet the people that you've been worshiping with. If you're close to Willie or Margo, give them a high five. Good morning. Glad you are here this morning. It is good to be with you here in this room. Yes, you, Willie, who is a new member. And those of you joining us online, uh, if you don't know me already, my name is Steve, and I am the senior pastor here. And currently, we're in a sermon series called More Than Meets the Eye, where we're looking at this letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. And it's been powerful for me, and I hope so for many of you Um, with this so-called penny dropping in multiple areas, at least in my life. I mean, after all, that is Paul's intent with this letter. He's trying to pull back the curtain of the unseen world, of the seen world, so that we can see the unseen, its its influence, its its interplay with our lives and with our world. Um, And so my deep hope is that we've all had these kind of penny-dropping moments where We've kind of opened ourselves up to a little bit of the greater reality that's around us. It's more than meets the eye. Now, um, I'm sure many of you have heard the news long ago of that giant tsunami. Remember, that hit South and Southeast Asia. Largest one in in terms of death toll, like 230,000 people died from this big tsunami. Um, And if you also remember, the tsunami... It got started by that massive, uh, deep earthquake in the middle of the ocean. 
that was huge in the Indian Ocean and sent shock waves out and it produced tsunami waves of like 100 feet high that were traveling 500 miles an hour and they went for 3,000 miles from this epicenter of this uh, earthquake. It was just massive. You guys remember this? Um, what I was really surprised to learn, though, is that there was one group of people in this tsunami lying directly in its path, and they did not suffer a single casualty. It was the people called the Moken, and they mostly live in semi-nomadic lifestyle on the sea, nearly from the time that they're born. They mostly live on these wooden boats that they called kabongs, um, and they function much like a houseboat, you know, uh, as a result, you know, ch children learn to swim before they learn to walk. Uh, they can see underwater twice as well as you and I can. And if there were an underwater breathing contest, like, it would be no contest. They would kill us every time, right? But it wasn't any of those skills, actually, that saved them from the tsunami. It was their intimacy with the terrain of the ocean, you see, the Moken, they know the ocean's moods and messages better than any oceanographer does. They read ocean waves like we read signs when we're driving. And so when the sea started to recede and smooth out, uh, when the birds began to stop chirping and cicadas went silent, the, the elephants ran for higher ground, and the dolphins began to swim out further into the sea, they saw all of that, and they started crying, actually. And they drove these boats uh, toward this massive wave coming. They drove out to sea, drove up these waves, and then came crashing down on the other side. And once the wave hit land and then reversed out, it drove their boats even further out into the ocean. But they survived without even a single loss of life. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? They don't have all the technology that you and I have. And yet they could read the terrain of the ocean. They saw, every, they saw everything that everyone else did that day, and yet only they had the keen insight of the terrain of the ocean waves. Now, in many ways, that's our challenge too, living in this world. If we're going to traverse the terrain of this world in faith, love, and hope. Every one of us, everyone sees the same events and happenings in our day. But the question is, is will you and I be able to read it with the keen insight like the Moken had? Will we be able to appreciate the actual terrain that we walk on in this world as we walk by faith? And if so, will we know how to traverse it in such a way to keep our faith, our love, and our hope intact. And that's why Paul takes us to the next place that he does in the book of Ephesians. After urging us to work worthily in the Lord, you know, growing in unity, growing up to be like Jesus, imitating in God and love, and living as children of light, after he does that and he sets our aspirations on that and points us in that direction, Paul then gives us a lay of the land, so to speak. He gives us a sense of the terrain that we face in walking that way and doing so in this 
world. And he does it so that you and I, we would be like the Mokin on that fateful day. Being able to traverse even the most treacherous of terrains this world has to offer with a couple of key navigational tools from God. And so what I'd like you to do, I want you to grab your Bible. I want you to open up your Bible app on your phone. Find your way to this very sobering section of Paul's letter in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. And we're going to notice the terrain, and then we're going to look at the couple of navigational tools he lays out in the will of the Lord and the Spirit. And if you reach beside you or the chair underneath you, those blue Bibles, it's on page 978. And we're going to listen very carefully as Hannah Dar comes up and reads it for us. So, Hannah. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Now to begin with, Paul warns us uh, very clearly. He says, Look carefully, then, how you walk. That is, he's telling us, give close attention to how you live. Watch out as you live, like we do when we're walking on an uneven path, like we do when we're in the dark and we don't want to stub our toe at night, right? He's saying, give painstaking attention to your life, making sure that you make the most of the time that you have and not waste it. Why? Because of the terrain. Because the days are evil, he says. These days are full of evil. Now, that doesn't go to say that they're nothing but evil, right? It's just that evil is present and even pervasive in these days, if we're honest with ourselves. I mean, for all of the winds that we see and that we feel, doesn't it feel as if there are also just as many losses, and maybe even more? For all the tests and the trials that we face, doesn't it feel like all too often they can actually make us bitter, not better? <laughs> Lesser, and not bigger for it. For all the good we experience, doesn't it feel as if it just doesn't last and even gets overshadowed by loss, by pain? These days are full of evil with multiple players on that field. Our very selves with our, our sin and our tangles and our addictions, people around us, Groups of people that are around us and that we're actually in and participate with. Superhuman forces of, in human institutions and power structures. Forces that seemingly exploit and abuse. And demonic forces that stir that whole brew to blind and steal and destroy. That's how stark this terrain is that we're traversing in life. 
These are not friendly days to following Christ, to walking in unity with one another, living and maturing to be more like Jesus, imitating God in love and living as children of life. These are not neutral days either. These days, they are full of evil, full of what is antithetical to any of those aspirations and even desires of good that we might have. And that's why Paul warns us as he does here to pay close attention to how we live and make the most of the time that we do have. You see, making our way through life isn't much like traversing the Shire. It's more like walking through Mordor. Making our way in life right now is less about like trying to get around Maui and more like trying to get around the Arctic Circle. We're not so much as trying to cross the street at a crosswalk. We're more like a squirrel trying to get across the road, right? These days are full of evil. So how does that strike you? I mean, like a little bit of a downer, like Steve, kind of a downer here. Just overstating things a little bit, maybe. Or something that we'd just like to dismiss. I, I know I would because I'd prefer to think about happy things like opportunities and you know, good and pleasant things in life. Or maybe you already feel it, like so many Christians can do, which is maybe why they feel the need to put up their dukes and fight as they do. But that just seems to add to the evil of the day, not counter it, doesn't it? This is supposed to sober us up a bit with the stark reality that we face. It's to shock us even what is more than meets the eye that we'd rather not look at or that we'd rather not notice about this world. And we're to internalize this as the lay of the land that we're traversing in life. To make sure that we make the most of our time. Uh, to make sure that we redeem it by inserting good to overcome that evil and not just go along with it and march in lockstep with it, with a Christian veneer even. Let's make no mistake about it or sugarcoat it. These days are full of evil. And so we're to pay a close attention to how we live. And the good news is that we're not helpless or alone in this. God has given us some key navigational tools to make us like the Mokin to traverse this terrain in life. The, the first one is the Lord's will. Uh, here's how Paul put it. He said this. He said, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In light of these days being full of evil, he says, we're not to be foolish, not just goofy or silly or, mind you, not, that's not the sense of it, but foolish in that we would disgrace ourselves through ruinous decisions in life. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Cosby, Bernie Madoff, Cruella DeVille, Bill Hybels. Rather, we're to understand what the will of the Lord is in mentioning the Lord's will, we might think that Paul is talking about what God has planned for the future. 
that, that we're supposed to look into some kind of crystal ball and kind of put the pieces together of hints and clues of what God might be doing in the future. But that's not what he's driving at with the will of the Lord here. This isn't so much about God's plans for the future as much as it is what God wants us to do. His will for how he would have us live and behave and speak. And so this is actually about careful study and thought about Scripture, putting the pieces together of what would please God as our Father, what would line up with his purposes. In a navigational frame of speaking, the Lord's will is akin to a compass that that always provides direction. With a compass, we're able to check ourselves in what we're seeing against what is true north, right? With a compass, we we can filter our experiences and our desires of where to go against what is actually true north. With a compass, we can correct our sense of direction against what is really the right direction. I mean, that's the power of the compass. With a compass, we always have the direction we need to kind of check ourselves, to filter what we're experiencing, and to correct our sensibilities. And that's the power of the Lord's will as well. Always providing a direction of true north, no matter what terrain we're in. The Lord's will, it checks us against what is true. It filters our experiences to show, you know, what's true and what's fake. And it corrects our sensibilities where they may have gone askew, where they might have gone awry. And that's why Paul insists on us understanding the Lord's will. To study, to think about the scriptures, so as to understand what does please God. What lives in line with his purposes in this specific point? I mean, is that that all that's needed? No, but it's necessary It's necessary to become well acquainted with the scriptures to understand the Lord's will, to make our way through these days that are filled with evil. That's why our men's retreat last weekend and our women's retreat next weekend are both called Meet You on the Page. And it's all about how to get the most out of the scriptures. The men had it last weekend. The women are having it next weekend. Sign up, women. All right? But... It's also why we preach from the Bible as we do on these Sunday morning worship services. That's why our smaller groups for adults and youth and college and children do what they do with the Bible. It's all in an effort to help us understand what the Lord's will is. But this is also something you and I need to personally engage with as well. To be able to engage in these environments a little bit more deeply, thoughtfully, and also to deepen our own skills of putting the pieces of the Lord's will together. And so what kind of habits do you personally have in this? I mean, how regularly do you come to worship services? Have you found a small group where you can process what the Lord's will is? Do you have a regular time of reading and listening to the scriptures personally? And listen... No shame, no guilt in any of that, but if we can be of help, we would love to do that. I mean, take out one of those Connect cards, seriously, grab one of them, fill it out, take it out to the Connect table, and one of the pastors will meet up with you. We will even buy you a coffee if that would entice you, and we will go over and talk about how you might be able to do this in your life. You see, these days, they are full of evil, and so we're to understand what the Lord's will is to traverse them. 
That's the first navigational tool God's given us. The other God-given navigational tool is the Spirit. Uh, Here's how Paul put it. He says this. He says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In light of these days being full of evil, he says we're to avoid drunkenness. And Paul has a couple of ideas in mind when he's writing these words. One, he has in mind banquets in antiquity that were basically akin to frat parties in the day uh, with alcohol and sexual escapades. That's kind of what went on in the, in the ancient world or the antiquity. And two, he had in mind this sensibility uh, in antiquity of drunkenness being a, a way to get more in touch with the spiritual world. Um, much like how, you know, we have this emerging, you know, modern sensibility of taking psychedelics. Have you heard about this? Like opening ourselves up to bigger realities. That's kind of the sensibilities that he's, he's speaking into. And he says, avoid that scene. It's debauchery. It's a waste. A waste for getting through these days full of evil because you're unknowingly walking in lockstep with it. And it's a waste for trying to gain any sense of greater spirituality because there's a better alternative, the Spirit. So Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Now, in mentioning this, you might be thinking like, okay, like Paul's wanting us, like the Spirit to take over our life, right? Like, you know, that was happening at Asbury University in Kentucky recently that comes to mind, where God inexplicably... And unpredictably, like, pours his spirit out on Christians, you know, filling them with joy and repentance. It was remarkable for, like, 20 days. But that's not something that can be commanded, like Paul does here, because it's so exceptional. It's something we pray for. It's something that we receive. And even something we should pray for for our church, for our our community in this area. But that's not what Paul's driving at with this. And so maybe something else comes to your mind, like, you know, like that phrase, you know, let go and let God. You know, or like, give the Spirit the wheel of our life. Or, you know, the Spirit's going to operate like a hand and I'm going to be that glove, right? But that's not what Paul's talking about either. This isn't so much about the Spirit's activity in us, though the Scriptures do emphasize, you know, being filled with the Spirit in that way, like in Acts. But it's God who takes the initiative to do it, and so it isn't something commanded nor something we can commandeer on our own. This is much more about what we're filled with, what influence our life is full of. The with is what is is emphasized here. And so to be filled with the Spirit means speaking and acting in ways that are full of the Spirit's influence. They're filled with marks of being under the Spirit's sway. Uh, Returning to that navigational frame of speaking, Being filled with the Spirit is akin to following that inkling that we might have when we look at the direction of the compass, right? It's one thing to read the compass. It's a completely another thing to actually go in the direction that it tells us to. Actually following that sense we have to, like, listen to the compass and not go our own way, that's what will get us to our destination. That's what will point us in the right direction. 
not our intention of wanting to get there, not our motives for walking in the first place, and not even our great understanding of the compass to begin with. It's following that sensibility of like why I'm checking the compass is so that I can go in that direction. And that's the same thing with being filled with the Spirit. Following that nudge, following that reinforcement of the Lord's will that is going on in your heart, that sixth sense of of God's direction and walking along God's will, no matter the terrain we have and face. I mean, after all, the Spirit invades our life when we've embraced Jesus in faith, received what He's done in living and dying and rising. And He's all about making us alive to God and alive to the things of God. And so the Spirit's always whispering to us, always nudging us to go in that right direction of God's will and His purposes. And it's up to us to kind of recognize and understand the Spirit's language there that we're, that we're gaining through understanding the Lord's will, as we just talked about. So that we go in the Spirit's direction. And so we are living with like being filled with the Spirit's influence in our life. And then the question is, well, how do we know we're not just, you know, following our imaginations here? How, how do we know that we're living under the Spirit's sway? What's the feedback loop that we need in order to know whether we're making right or wrong decisions with these nudges that we sense? Well, this. The results of being filled. Seeing these in our lives, these marks in our lives, is kind of the food feedback loop that we need to see that we're, you know, being filled with the Spirit's sway. It means seeing that singing of all kinds, songs directed to God and each other where our hearts are involved, is a sure sign that we're following the Spirit's influence. That doesn't mean we live life in a musical, okay? But singing comes out on Sunday mornings, doesn't it? This church sings louder now than when I first showed up. I think that's the Spirit. So... You're welcome, Derek. I expect that coffee. Um, But it's not just Sunday mornings. It's also those private moments as well where a spiritual lyric like comes to mind. Or when we're just moved by something that God has done for us or that we see in Him and the like. But it also means, you know, being grateful for everything. It's a signal that the Spirit has sway over us. That doesn't go to say that we're grateful for everything, even the bad and horrible things in life. It's not a masochist kind of a thing. It's just that we're quick to thank God for what He's done in Christ, what He's doing in us now, even in the bad and hard times. Just even this morning, I was thanking God for stuff that He's doing with my kids that I'm just stunned by. And also what he's going to do and sum up everything in Christ. Having a vision for the future. God, you're going to bring this all together one day under Jesus. And it also means seeing us submit to one another in the church. It's a hint that the Spirit has its way with us. Not about being a doormat, come on. But it's just that we defer to one another out of love, out of service to each other. You know, leaders deferring what would be best to serve the people and not just their own agendas. Followers deferring to leaders and understanding the burdens that they carry and not beating them up for not doing their agendas. You know, friends deferring to one another and not just the last piece of cake to be taken. 
and in so many other ways which Paul is going to unpack right after this that we are going to talk about for the next three weeks. You're going to hear submit all over the place because it's there. So you don't want to miss it, okay? And so the question is, is do we see this in our life? Do a little self-evaluation here. You know, well, how's my singing going? It doesn't have to be on key. But is there a song seriously in our mouth, in our heart? What's our level of gratitude? You know, how willing have I been to defer to others? Or do I have to have my way? This signals that we're being filled with the Spirit's influence together. And so it should challenge us to, you know, want more. That we've tasted a little bit. We should want more and more seriously. To sharpen our ears for the Spirit's whisper with solitude and silence that just tends to prick our ears a little bit. I mean, to train our responsiveness to Him. When we have those nudges, we follow them no matter what. To train our responsiveness to Him in that. And to trust Him more just simply by praying and leaning into the Spirit. You see, these days, I hate to tell you, they are full of evil as we make our way through them. And so we're to understand what the will of the Lord is and we're to be filled with the Spirit's influence to make our way through it. And though these days are full of evil, take heart. Jesus has overcome these evil days. He died on a cross, absorbing all the poison of evil that it could inflict on him. And then he rose in triumph, leaving, empty of, leaving evil empty of its poison for God's people. And so Jesus invites us to come and find shelter under him. In the forgiveness of our sin, freedom from its power, and life with God that we mark with communion. And then to simply walk with Jesus in faith. And yes, along the way, we're going to feel the blow of these evil days every now and then. It doesn't mean that life is suddenly great. But Jesus has emptied its poison so that we will not be undone by them. We will not be swallowed whole by them. We will not be destroyed by them. And that way, we'd be able to just kind of keep going, take that next step, and make our way through it by understanding what the Lord's will is and being filled with the Spirit. And so, yes... These days are full of you worse than any tsunami. But take heart. Jesus has overcome. And he's made it possible for us to traverse all the way to the end. And so let's pray to that end, shall we? God, this morning, there are some of us here who are feeling the deep wounds and pains of these days being evil. And there's some of us here this morning that we just simply want to turn a blind eye to it. And there's some of us here who are really scared, really scared. And there's some of us who are just angry. And so, Lord, we bring those that sense to you this morning that, God, in some sense, we are sensing what is actually real. But Lord, we pray and thank you that you've given us a way forward. You've given us a way through these evil days 
to make it all the way to the end because of Jesus, but also, God, make us sharp. Help us to give painstaking attention to how well we understand your will and what pleases you, and that we might be sensitive enough to follow those nudges of your spirit so that we might be faithful. And God, we trust that you do overcome evil with good. And that God, you will overcome this world's evil by our good, but ultimately by your goodness and glory when you come again. And so God, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.
you know, as I was listening to that, to Steve preach, I was thinking about the, the people in my week that I'm going to meet up with and my colleagues and other, others that I meet. I was thinking about the things that I am going to do this week. And I, I was praying, God, would you give, give me a song in my heart to, to lead me through the week? And then we just sang this song. And I wonder if, I wonder if this is, this is a song for us. As, as you go through this week and you see people and you're around others, maybe just in your mind and your heart, maybe you're praying, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. Uh, and maybe for your own self, when you're facing the, the evil of the world, maybe you're, you're singing, God, bless me and keep me, cause your face to shine upon me. So thanks for leading us in that song. And may you go. Uh, this week to all the things you're going to do all the people you're going to be with with the Holy Spirit guiding your step so that you can look carefully how you walk listening to him going where he goes stepping where he steps go in the, the peace of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit Amen